Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Grizzlies Wizards tonight. We talk about that one. It could be a tricky night for the Grizzlies. We also look at the wing rotation situation and try to figure out where the consistency could come from. All of that and more. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, what's up? Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday. My name is Peter Edmiston, and I am happy to have you with me here on Locked on Grizzlies. I hope you are subscribing to the podcast. If you're not, then please do me a very big favor and click that subscribe button. Uh, If you're in iTunes or in your podcast manager or something like that, please go ahead and subscribe so it gets downloaded automatically to your box every single day at least all the days that I uh, put it out, which is pretty much every weekday. Uh, And uh, you can get all the information that you need right there. Uh, Thanks again for everybody for all the support and appreciation, uh, reviews, all that good stuff. Uh, Any of that that you can do is very, very nice, and it goes a long way towards helping us here on the pod. Uh, As I mentioned in the intro coming up in just a bit, we're going to talk about the Wizards matchup uh, tonight, uh, including... Uh, what you know? This is a Wizards team that is playing extremely well right now, particularly at home. Twelve straight uh, at home. It's a building that has not always been kind to the Grizzlies, so uh, this could be a, a tricky matchup tonight. Uh, and the Grizzlies trying to get back to 500 against the Eastern Conference. You know, strange that they are eight and nine against the East um, and 17 and nine against the West. You know, it's uh, it, it's funny, but that's. If, if really if anything could, could sum up the Grizzlies' lack of consistency, uh, a stat like that probably could. That's that's just what they're all about. Uh, also, you know, in, we're going to talk about, and I want to start with the the situation. Uh, well, first, actually, I'm going to start with some news uh, from around the league, and one particular bit of news that is especially relevant to the Grizzlies comes out of Los Angeles uh, on Tuesday when it was reported uh, originally by Dan Wojcicki, but uh, eventually confirmed by the Clippers that Chris Paul has torn uh, his left thumb ligament. He will be out for six to eight weeks in all likelihood. And this is particularly important for the Grizzlies because, you know, they are trying to fight along with the Jazz and the Thunder for that uh, fourth spot that's currently held by the Clippers. And the Clippers have been playing you know, pretty well in spite of not having Blake Griffin, who'd been, who's been out for a while with his injury. Uh, the Clippers don't seem to play all that badly without Blake, but boy, when they lose Chris Paul, they play horribly. Horribly. And so to lose him for the better part of two months at least is a devastating blow for the Clippers and the Grizzlies, you know, four games back of that spot right now, but you would have to think that the Clippers are going to rack up loss after loss after loss. Uh, and, you know, if that's the case, then that opens that wide open and, and the Grizzlies could, could end up, you know, with with home court. I know there is some discussion uh, among some other fan bases. I saw the, the Jazz, a lot of Jazz fans talking about it, you know, positioning, trying to avoid maybe four and five. 
so that you, you don't have to play the Warriors in round two. You know, for the Grizzlies' perspective, I don't I don't think they have any real problem with with anybody that they would play. Um, I think it would be more beneficial to them, you know, to to have. I mean, I, I guess there's some matchups that are probably a little bit better than others, but I, I don't think, you know, based on what we've seen so far, you know, certainly a four or five matchup with the Jazz, for example, or with the Clippers would not be problematic for them. A matchup with the with the Rockets is clearly not an issue. Uh, heck, a matchup with the Warriors. Based on what we've seen this year, Grizzlies are two and zero against the Warriors. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that. You know, the the playoffs are a different thing, and the matchups that you can gloss over in the regular season, they really get exploited in the in the postseason. I think there are still very legitimate questions about the Grizzlies and the roles that these players play if they are in a real playoff seven game type situation. You know, will backup point guard Tony Allen really work? You know, can you really squeeze that much offense out of Tony? Can you really get by with the amount of shooting that you have right now? Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. Can you know th- those things tend to, whatever your flaws are, they tend to be exploited pretty harshly in the postseason. Um, that's something the Grizzlies will have to think about as they approach the trade deadline. How, you know, how, how will they be? How will they be exploited by these teams? And you know, do they have enough? in a seven-game series against a good team to to pull it out. That that all remains to be seen, and maybe they do. Um, but nonetheless, the the Clippers news, that that has opened things up tremendously in the middle of the, the Western Conference. And, you know, I, I think it also changes things a little bit in the trade deadline. I don't think it necessarily turns the Clippers into a you know major buy or anything. I'm not really sure what they could do, honestly, with, with the personnel that they've got. Um, but... The Grizzlies, I, I do think, and we'll talk trades coming up uh, probably end this week or next week, we'll really start to delve into some of the possibilities that, that may be out there and some of the needs and all that sort of thing. Uh, we'll be doing that on, on the pod coming up uh, later on. Uh, I'll just say this, that I, I, I do think this does represent an opportunity, and I don't know what the, 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 the Clippers can do anything in the short term, but I do think if the Grizzlies can rack up some wins and get themselves back in the mix there, you know, the idea of bringing in a better point guard has been something that has been talked about forever, forever from the Grizzlies' perspective. I mean, just it's it's been discussed since October. You know, that this was a team that you just knew was going to end up with Mario Chalmers, right? That was the thought. Like, it was going to be Mario Chalmers. And Chalmers still is not apparently ready to play, and and that has sort of left the Grizzlies, uh, especially given the fact that they don't have a roster spot open, left them scrambling a little bit to figure out you know what they can do best. And they've they've cobbled together some okay minutes, all things considered, from Andrew Harrison mostly, but Tony Allen too playing that role, Wade Baldwin occasionally. Um, it's not and Tony Douglas had his you know memorable cup of coffee. With the Grizzlies, it has been a uh, an interesting dynamic to watch play out. I think, though, ultimately over the next month, as the trade deadline approaches, if the Grizzlies really want to maximize this season, you, you've got to improve that spot. You've got to improve that position. You have to you have to get more production out of that spot. Um, so, you know, can they do that? Can they find that trade? We'll talk about that in the coming uh, days and weeks. But I, I would imagine, I know 
they are certainly putting feelers out in a lot of different spots. There, there are some names that have been bandied about, and uh, I think the Grizzlies, well, you know, a guy like Ricky Rubio was put out there. You know, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, reported that you know Minnesota was exploring options with him. Now that that's that's a little rich for the Grizzlies' blood, uh, but I do think that you know somebody we've talked about Tyus Jones before, but somebody you know a little bit lower on the pecking order would be ideal. Someone who could still run things and still be an upgrade over Andrew Harrison. I think that's going to be a priority for the Grizzlies as they continue. Loss, loss, win, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, win, loss. That's the Grizzlies record, and that's the Grizzlies games played since Christmas. So about three weeks, give or take. You sense a pattern there? Any consistency? No, not really. Had a little two-loss, two-win pattern going for a while, and they broke that up with this last little stretch, loss-win-loss. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's been it's been frustrating, I would imagine, for all of you to watch. It's been frustrating to uh, to deal with. You know, I'm sure from the players and coaches' perspective, how do you find? consistency but then I went and looked and it was just kind of looking over lineup data and and figuring some things out for this discussion that uh, that I'm going to have and so I I look up the Grizzlies all their five-man lineups this year five-man lineups and do you know just I'll I'll, I'll give you the the quiz now when you're in your car wherever you are who do you think the most common five-man lineup is for the Grizzlies this year? The one that has played the most minutes. And I will tell you, this is only going to apply for today, for the pod, if you're listening on Wednesday, because uh, that, that this, will, this, this number is likely, almost certain, to be eclipsed uh, later on tonight. But for now, who is the most common five-man lineup? And you know this is particularly relevant because if you can't find any consistency in lineups, how are you going to find consistency in performance? It, it is it is hard. It's hard enough if you have everybody healthy to continue to innovate and change some of the things that you want to do the way that David Fisdale has done. It's hard enough to do that with a settled, consistent lineup. When you don't have that and you're trying to make those changes, it is especially difficult um and that's where the grizzlies find themselves i mean they, they're their lineups they've only got three lineups uh, three five-man lineups that have played over a hundred minutes of competition together and you think about the fact that they've played 2104 minutes overall this year on the floor that they haven't been able to find more consistency with these lineups i mean to, to compare it to the the most used lineup in the nba the, the most used lineup in the NBA is the, the Timberwolves starting lineup, and it has played 750 minutes together as of this point in the season. The Grizzlies' number one lineup has played 110 minutes together. So one-seventh, essentially, 
of that lineup. And not to say that the Timberwolves have been any great shakes. Their problems have not come from injury or lack of consistency so much. It's just been they just haven't been able to finish halves and finish games. Now, you've had enough time. If you were in your car, I would forgive you. If you're not in your car, write down your answer. Now, yes, I can tell you that Marc Gasol is, of course, part of it. That makes the most sense. He's been very, very consistent this year. Tony Allen. Jamichael Green. Yeah, Jamichael. Andrew Harrison. And Troy Williams. Yeah, the dude that's not even in Memphis at this point. Because of all the injuries and all the difficulty that they've had this season in getting lineups together, no Chandler Parsons, no uh, Mike Conley for a long time, that is the lineup that has played the most for the Grizzlies this year. Now, the as I mentioned, it will be eclipsed. The next lineup is the one that will start in all likelihood tonight. Mike Conley, Tony Allen, Chandler Parsons, Jermichael Green, Marcus Saul. That lineup's played 106 minutes, so four fewer than the one that we were talking about. So assuming they stick around and no one gets subbed or injured in the first five minutes of the game, then that that will be the new leader. But think about that. The, the Troy Williams and Andrew Harrison, two guys that are very much on the outside looking in, and, and Troy Williams, you know, truly, literally, because he's not even with the team, Andrew Harrison's minutes have diminished uh, over the last few weeks. That's still your number one lineup. So it's hard to expect consistency from a team that is rolling that out as their their, their number one lineup. And you see so many of their lineups, the five-man groupings, that just don't have, you know, very much time together. You know, particularly the ones with, um, you know, the bench units that that have had to been sort of been cobbled together. You know, the... so so. I say that to kind of put a put a little preface onto the discussion about wings, and just to say that that this is this is in, a problem that's endemic right now because that's just the nature of a an unsettled, injured sort of roster. As the Grizzlies deal with a full complement of players, then that excuse starts to fall by the wayside, and you have to start actually performing in finding those rotations, that has been probably the biggest area of weakness for uh, for David Fisdale. But for the Grizzlies, look at what they need. So what is it that they need? What, what do they do? What, what do they need from this wing group? You know that you're going to see uh, in the starting lineup, you know, Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol, Tony Allen, Jermichael Green, um, and Chandler Parsons in all certainty. That's going to be your your starting group. But then you know, when, you, when you start to get away from them after the you know seven eight minutes have elapsed in the game then you 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 know you don't always end up coming back to that grouping you know except for that little short period to begin the second half what do you do with those wing spots then let's go and let's think about too the fact that the grizzlies have been at their best over the last uh, 11 games and those that's how many games have been played since christmas the the last 11 games I looked at their two-man lineups. So this is these two players and then any three others on the court. 
you know, by net rating over the last 11 games. And the best two-man lineup is Troy Daniels and James Ennis by a wide margin in terms of wings. Troy Daniels is part of a lot of good lineups. You know, that that has to do with him being on the floor for those, you know, for the comeback. Um, and it has to do with his minutes, you know, being fairly limited. But the ones that he has played, he has played to great effect. Um, and, and that's 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 been that's not a coincidence. You know, the Grizzlies have have struggled defensively uh, more so than, than than you would imagine. You know, th- this year. But if you look, especially in the last few ball games, you know, those eleven games I talk about since Christmas, the Grizzlies have an offensive rating of one hundred nine point four. But they have a defensive rating of 108.1, which is way worse than their norm. You know, that, that is not typical Grizzly stuff. You're talking about a team that did, in fact, have the best defensive rating in the NBA for a while. But, you know, that has sort of seen the number kind of slide upwards a little bit as, as they, have, they have really struggled to make their their mark on that end of the court and you see the 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 numbers that they've given up they've had a couple of notably excellent defensive performances mixed in there but for the most part you know the game against the thunder obviously that was uh, the the one at FedEx Forum where uh, Russell Westbrook got tossed they only gave up 80 points to the thunder that game the thunder really missed tons of shots and it was you know, an, an off night. The game at FedEx Forum when they beat the Jazz, eighty-eight seventy-nine. That was an excellent defensive performance. Um, but by and large, you see the numbers they're giving up: one sixteen and one fifteen to the Lakers and Clippers, respectively. Even the game at Golden State that they won, that was a one twenty-eight one nineteen game. They get one hundred nineteen points in the win. You know, it is not at all common to find the Grizzlies winning a game in which they allow one hundred nineteen points. That's virtually impossible and a similar if not quite exact the same thing happened to the game uh, at Houston when the Grizzlies win 110 to 105 the 105 to Houston is, is is a not a bad number they they play so fast and they can hit so many shots uh, you know that, that that's that's okay but they're not typically grizzly type numbers and they give up 108 to the to the Bulls this is why their defensive rating is what it is um, and this is why they've kind of you know lost the grip on that a little bit so what do you need from your your wing unit in this environment where, where the Grizzlies find themselves right now you're gonna have until you find Chandler Parsons working his way up to 30 minutes or more this is going to continue to be a problem and my contention is that because of this, you have to dial down your expectation for defense just a little bit. And you've got to find guys that can put the ball in the basket. And you can't keep asking Troy Daniels to come in and be nuclear. You can't keep asking the guy to come in and be incredibly hot right away. And if he's not, then, you know, toss him. That That's just so much pressure on Daniels that it's it's really counterproductive. I mean, the guy can the guy can do it, but is that really the position that you want him to be in? Yeah, I would say probably not. Yeah, I don't think you want you know, I think you want to give him a little opportunity to to get loose 
and to you know give him a little leeway if he misses the first shot, missed the first couple. You know, you heard Mike Conley if you listen to the podcast uh, on Monday. You know, Mike Conley was talking about how the fact that this, this wing rotation is so um, iffy and changes game to game and, and minutes can fluctuate. You know, he he said, you know, when Chandler's out there, we know we have to take advantage of him and you have to, to get what we can get out of his minutes. And the same is true for, for all these guys. If, you've, if you're only going to get Troy Daniels out there for seven minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes, if you're only going to get him in the fourth quarter, then when he's out there, you, you, you sort of feel obligated and he's got to get get his. You know, the, I think that's the wrong way to approach it. But I don't think that David Fisdell's had a real good grip on Troy Daniels and his minutes and, and how best to use him. Uh, so that's the best two-man lineup thus far in uh, in the in the last eleven games. The game since Christmas, it's been Troy Daniels and, and James Ennis. The other wing rotations that have been better. Tony Allen, along with Troy Daniels playing together. They are a plus 18 in the net rating. Daniels and Ennis, by the way, are plus 27.3 in the last 11 ballgames. You have Vince Carter, along with Troy Daniels, is a plus 6. James Ennis is generally a positive. He and Tony are plus 5.6. He and Andrew Harrison are plus 4.7 in those those minutes. And then you kind of get down into, you know, the the other wing groupings that aren't always quite as successful. Um, Down in the, the area where Vince Carter and Andrew Harrison, they're more or less even. Um, Tony Allen and Chandler Parsons are a minus two together as a as a wing unit. You know, Mike Conley is a big negative on a lot of these because you know he really struggled for so many of those those eleven games. It's only been really in the last few that you've started to see Mike Conley you know spread his wings and fly. Vince Carter and James Ennis have played. A fair few minutes together and are a minus eight together. Uh, that that one doesn't seem to work. the The reason why, by the way, you have to have all of this. I talk about with the defense and the personnel groupings and all that. You have to have scoring on this team. You know, this team is not consistent enough defensively. At this point, the rotations aren't in. The communication still is missing something. They are not as locked down as they have been in years past, even though they are capable of it. They have shown flashes of it, but on the whole, they are not. That means, to me, you value the offensive side even more. You know, When they have had these major wins, the games at Golden State, at Houston, they have had to score lots of points, 128 in the case of Golden State, 110 in the case of Houston. You know, this is what they have to do because they can't rely on their defense. Now, they, they're not going to you know, be able to outscore everybody, but they have to maintain enough of a threat. Some of the lineups that you put out there, you know, Vince Carter and James Ennis, for example, that, that's not a lineup that carries enough threat to consistently hit the outside shot. 
and 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 you know that teams don't don't have to respect it. You, know, you have to pair if you're going to have, you know, Vince is fine, but you have to you have to pair Vince with somebody like a Troy Daniels that has a little more of a uh, of a true threat. And you see that that's a generally better mix when those guys play together. You know, Vince and Troy are a plus six, whereas, you know, Vince and Ennis are a minus eight. You know, that, that's almost entirely from the, the offensive side of the ball. And, and, and you can tell, because that's a, they are a, Vince and Troy are a 115 offensive rating. Vince and James Ennis are a 107. I mean that's that's a that's a it's not an enormous difference, but it's certainly enough to to make uh, the Grizzlies and to make them a much more dangerous offensive team. You know that that's that's to me that's what they have to focus on right now. You know if if you if you had the luxury of you know a much more settled lineup and a much more consistent defensive grouping, great, no problem, go for it and 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 put those guys out there like they did in the Western Conference Finals year, like they've done in so many years past. You know, you have a lockdown group, that's it, boom. They don't have that. They don't have that. So to me, you know, the the two-man groupings, you, you need to involve, uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, he's not the solution to everything, but I think he, in, in general, makes you much more dangerous. You, you need to involve Troy Daniels and accept that it's going to cost you a few points on the defensive end, but I think it will end up... On, on balance being a better situation for your team. You throw him out there with that grouping, he needs to get more minutes. Just period, end of story. Vince Carter needs to get fewer minutes. I, you know, Vince is a, is a great guy, love Vince, but he needs to get fewer minutes. And you need to see more from from Troy Daniels you know, I, I think James Ennis has every opportunity to be that two-way player that David Fisdale really wants. You know, and the Grizzlies don't have enough of those. They, they, they just don't have enough two-way guys that can get out there and can do enough on both sides of the ball. You know, there's still, there's still too many single-side guys. That's just not, that's not just good enough. Um, but in those last 11 games, you've seen you know, Vince Carter play 253 minutes, Troy Daniels 185. Uh, you know, Andrew Harrison's played almost as many minutes as Troy Daniels. James Ennis, similar number, 254, Vince 253. You know, I, I take those numbers and I lop them, if not in, not in half necessarily, but maybe take a quarter of the minutes away, take 60 or so minutes away from each of those guys and throw them in along, you know, mostly to Troy Daniels, but maybe slide them around uh, here and there. Jerome Martin hasn't featured much. And, you know, he, he looks like he's lost out there, but it wouldn't hurt him to have a few more minutes just to kind of try to get his feet wet in some of these uh, some of these groupings. I, I think Chandler Parsons is going to soak up a lot of those minutes so that the, the problem will, will, will change. I don't think it's going to go away but I think it's going to change eventually. But I am advocating, and I think the numbers are 
pretty clear that you need to carry that threat a little bit further along. And you need to carry it from a not just making the three, but being able to the threat of making the three. Being able to force teams to, you know, have a guy that is constantly monitoring Troy Daniels. That 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 gives you a lot more space. I mean, there's a reason why you know the Grizzlies, from a plus minus perspective, are best in these last eleven games, they are plus eighty two when Zach Randolph is on the floor and plus seventy six when Troy Daniels is on the floor. Now a lot of that is from the you know the comebacks. But that's over all those games too. And, you know, it's not a foolproof situation. But what it shows you is that more often than not, from the Grizzlies' perspective, if you lean towards the side of offense and guys that can put that ball in the basket, Troy Daniels' case shooting the three, Zach Randolph's case just being, you know, Zach Randolph, then it's probably better than the alternative right now. I wouldn't say that if their identity as a defensive team had been truly settled, but it has not. And so in this case, err on the side of offense. Zach, certainly, but we're talking from a wing perspective. Troy Daniels needs to be out there with Vince, Ennis, whoever you want to throw out there, Chandler Parsons. I think you can play Troy Daniels and Chandler Parsons together. Yeah, I, I don't know that David Fisdale does. I think he feels like defensively that's that's too much to, to give up. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I think the, the Grizzlies having that much shooting on the floor at any one time, it's just something that has not happened. To have, along with Mike Conley, essentially three guys that are knockdown three-point shooters. That's... We're in uncharted waters from the Grizzlies' perspective. And if you throw in Jermichael Green out there, who, by the way, is shooting 50% from three in those last 11 games, 13 of his last 26, then, yeah, now you've got, and, and Marcus All, of course, uh, whose three-point numbers have slipped of late. He's 26% in his last um, 11 games. But nonetheless, you carry a threat with all five of those guys out there. So just something to think about. Uh, You'll watch the game tonight. The Wizards are a really talented team. And in lieu of giving you a 3Q preview, I'll just say that that this is a Wizards team that is, you know, playing far and away their best basketball, having won 12 straight at home and having really embarrassed the Trailblazers uh, on uh, MLK Day, one twenty one oh one scored seventy five points in the first half of that game. They've won uh, five of their last six, including a win, you know, at Milwaukee, which is which is not you know, something that uh, a lot of teams go in there and do. The Grizzlies couldn't do it. Um, a lot of teams can't do it. Uh, they did it. Their only loss in that stretch is loss at Boston, which uh, is certainly understandable. But they've beaten Philly, who's playing a lot better. Beat the pants off the Trailblazers. Yeah, they beat the Chicago Bulls, uh, and they beat Minnesota, along with the trip to Milwaukee. They they are playing uh, 
much, much better than we saw in the early part of the season. Um, and for the Grizzlies, who, as I talked about uh, yesterday on the program, you know, it's been a it's been a difficult building for them. Uh, it's just it's 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 not. There's not always been the happiest of of memories there, but you know, such is life. With Brad Beal and John Wall, when they're both playing well, when Markeith Morris is clicking, Otto Porter has become a more than serviceable kind of guy. You know, they've they've got enough talent on this team, and they can get up and down very quickly. You know, John Wall is uh, is a is still a a masterful player. He's a guy that um, does not necessarily get put up there in the elite uh, the elite guys, and you know, or, ordinarily I would say he probably shouldn't, but th- this year he's having a, a a special year, and he's been he's been spectacular. So uh, I think it's going to be a very tough matchup for the Grizzlies tonight, to be honest with you. And I, I think they've got to solve the consistency issue that they've got. Uh, defensively, and that's not going to happen until they settle a little bit more on the rotation. But that's that's going to, you know, is if this continues, then it's going to force an uncomfortable conversation about Chandler Parsons and you know doing more harm than good by trying to ease him so slowly back into competition. They are operating with an abundance of caution, understandably so, with the amount of money that they've invested in him over the next four years. But if you get this far into a season and you're still dealing with severe minutes restrictions that are then from domino effect, just kind of messing you up for the rest of the game, you're not seeing it much in second halves, all these things, you know, factor into it. If all that is the case, then you got to start having that conversation about what, what is it exactly that you're doing here? And, and what, when is it going to be over? I don't think that conversation has come yet, but it's got to be in the mind of David Fisdale and others. It, it is making things uh, harder than they otherwise would be. And they'll have to find a more workable plan, I think, as the uh, as the season continues to unfold. Nonetheless, very tough matchup tonight in Washington, uh, Grizzlies and Wizards. Thanks so much for joining me here on Locked on a Grizzlies. As always, you can check me out 7 to 10, Wolo and Peter in the morning. Real Sports Talk Sports 56, 87, 7 FM. Check out Numbers Game in the commercial appeal. And uh, for those of you, of course, that are big fans of the podcast, let me tell you something. This is a great spot for your company. If you want to reach men between the ages of 18 and 54, this is the place for your audiences 96% of men and 87% between the ages of 18 to 44. And here's something to consider. Recent surveys have shown that podcast listeners are 65% more willing to think seriously about purchasing products they learned about from podcasts. 60% given equal price and quality prefer to purchase from companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. Our rates 
are very reasonable. Please shoot me an email, Peter at PeterEdmiston.com. Shoot me a, a tweet at Peter Edmiston or a direct message, something like that. We can get uh, all the information out to you. I'd love to have you on the podcast, become part of our family, and reach all those great folks out there that are listening. Thank you so much. You have been Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.